Support for Best of Belfast comes from listeners just like me who love Northern Ireland and believe we have a better story to tell. A massive thanks to all of you listening who have already joined the Producers Club, especially our Titanic producers, Barclays Eagle Labs, Ulster University, Young Enterprise Northern Ireland, Gavin Wall, Peter Dixon, and of course, the Orma Baths team. Today's episode wouldn't exist without you. To find out more about how you can support independent ad-free media, get invitations to live podcasts, and submit questions to our guests, please visit bestofbelfast.org. Thanks so much, and really hope you enjoy today's show. Like emotionally into the camera, or just like 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 oh, I've got you. Like this is the first thing people are going to see. You need to like this Sweet. is Dylan. Hey, how's it going? My name is Dylan Osborne, and you're listening to Best of Belfast. Belfast podcast and this is a very exciting episode because this is our first ever live podcast <laughs> yes yes that's right it's very very exciting because it's our first live one but it's also exciting because we get to sit down with the absolute legend that is Dylan Osborne Dylan Osborne is a creative jack of all trades and is probably most well known as the king of Instagram. Dylan uses Instagram stories as a platform to run his daily vlog, Dill Takes Photos. What's also really interesting about Dylan is that he also just made the transition from working for an agency to going freelance. And so I think that we have an absolutely class show lined up for you guys. We get to chat about what it's like to go from being employed to self-employed. We get to chat about how important video is and online storytelling. And we get to find out ways that you can make your Instagram stories better. If you don't have time to watch the full episode, you can listen to it on the go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. That's it for me for now, guys. Really, really think you're going to enjoy the show. And yeah, time to jump straight into it. Hello, man. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you very much for coming on. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, I have to start off with an apology because this really isn't the first time that we've done this. No, no, not at all. It feels like every weekend. (laughs) Do you want to tell maybe this is our second time doing this? Yeah, yeah. Well, we did this in October um, and then you deleted everything. (laughs) So, no, I'm joking. We did it in October and uh, just a lot has changed for me, I guess, over the, uh, the last six months. So I suppose we got to the point where you were ready to put it up and it just, it didn't fit with what I'm doing now in my life. So we thought like, we had a chat and we were like, let's re-record it. And you said, do you want to do it live? And I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good laugh. So here we are doing here that again. A bunch of nibblers here yeah. in the crowd, like love it. Exactly. So Dylan, for the second time, if you walked into an elevator with Liam Neeson, how would you introduce yourself? What would your elevator pitch be? I'd probably be on my phone talking to it and I'd <laughs> ask him to hold it, I reckon, probably be the way to do it. Could you hold that while I do a story? And then he'd be like why dude and I'd be like oh I just I I try to entertain people on Instagram so uh, this is what I kind of do it would probably be something like that I don't uh, really fare well in situations like that where I give any sort of value immediately like normally I fully undersell myself so wow do you think Nissan even has Instagram I was like wow we need to come back to that yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think he has Instagram he's probably got someone that does it for him probably I'd like to see his Insta stories yeah crack. yeah be interesting be so interesting. how do you like what do you identify yourself as as in like if you're you're walking down the street and someone says oh hey man what do you do for a living i'm an accountant tell me a bit about yourself what do you say yes an awkward one for years i would have said i'm a graphic designer um but recently i've just been saying photographer because most people relate to me as a photographer um so i would say i'm a photographer designer like a mixed creative i suppose um on paper i would say a creative jack of all trades and master of not a lot of them (laughs) But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's sort of a lot of change has happened for me in the last sort of six months. So I would say, yeah, photographer probably primarily, um, but general creative, I guess. Yeah. And for the people listening or watching at home, that accent, South what's, African. what's that all about? Yeah. Well, what's it about? Well, it was started, it started South African. It was a, it was a born native South African accent and uh, 16, 17 years of living in Northern Ireland has given it like a peak. Normally at the end of my sentences, I just kind of peak up. Um, so it's kind of like it's mixed with that and then there's these weird like Welsh words that come in um, that's because I worked with a Welsh guy for like five years like side by side um, doing a lot of stuff and 
I just pick up accents really quickly. So I say a lot of like weird Welsh words which sound totally out of place whenever I say them. Like, Fair And how did you, when did you come to Northern Ireland? What was that kind of journey like for you? Physical journey? Not that ride. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the, the journey was good. Like it was um, 2001 and my, like my mom's initially from Belfast and my dad's from Johannesburg. So we got to this point in our life where we just kind of needed a change and a new direction, I guess. So my mom decided she wanted to move home. My dad was sort of game for it. And by game for it, I mean like he had no choice. <laughs> and then we were sort of the same. So I was 17 at that point and I'd like had a whole life growing up in South Africa in the sunshine doing the stuff you would as a South African kid so I, I wasn't really like opposed to any change I just sort of went with it um, we came over here we'd believe it or not we'd been over here on holiday like three or four times um, visiting family and things like that so yeah the change was it was alright like I left all my friends in South Africa and came here and it was such a different life it was such a big change um, the only thing is I missed my last year of schooling in South Africa so like I did all that work and then I got like nothing at the end of it you know, I didn't get my qualification so I had to come here and do GCSE English and GCSE Math in Tech which nice. if you've been to Tech you know what that's like yeah, yeah. So and that how was... old were you when you were doing your GCSEs? Forty-one. Yeah, I'm actually still doing the math one. Um, I was eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. So it was interesting. I did like a year of, of math the first year, and then the next year was like English. But I still don't think I like actually legitimately passed the English because I had this tutor that used to call me Michael. And uh, I was just like, my name's not Michael, dude. And he was like, yo, Michael, have you got that work done? I'm like, I'm not Michael. But there was a guy in the class called Michael. And then we had like three courses. And I, I did the first one. I did pretty well in the first part of the year. But I don't ever remember finishing the second and third tasks throughout the year. And then somehow finish with a B. So I've just got this feeling that like Michael failed. Yeah. You know, like he's there like, what do you mean I failed? What do you mean I'm Dylan? And I just like banded out with it. So yeah. I don't know, like, um, but it was all right. Like, I, I did it alongside, like, a multimedia course. So it was, like, it's just, like, an extra class, effectively. Yeah. And so most of the people here in this room, listening online or watching on YouTube, they'll not know you for your GCSE maths career. They'll know no, you no, not at all. photography and your videography. When did you start to get into When was the first time you started playing around with a camera? Tell us that. Uh, picked up a camera probably at the age of 16, 17. Um, I, I rode BMX bikes. Um, so I grew up with friends riding bikes and skateboarding and things like that. So I was kind of pretty rubbish at riding the bike. Um, so I thought, well, I'll take some photographs of people that can ride. And I learned really quickly that that was the bit that I brought a bit of value to. It was also a great reason not to do the dangerous trick. So when my mates were going to like huck it down a big set of stairs, I'd be like, yo, I'll take the photo of you boys doing that. And I would just sort of step away, um, which was kind of cool. But then I actually learned like I love doing this, love documenting and taking photographs. And I didn't really think much of it. It was just like there was 10 of us out riding the bikes. Someone's going to take photographs and video. So I just sort of started taking photos and video and from like age 16 probably in South Africa was the first time but really kicked off when I came over here and started riding bikes with some friends here Um, and that sort of followed me through years of traveling around around England and like Wales and the whole of Ireland riding bikes so that's where it came from and like what type of stuff would you have been shooting on at that stage on that I would have been shooting on a Pentax MZ50 like this like 35mm film camera so yeah it was good it was one lens like it was like a 16 to 40 mil or something and it was it was all manual like it was it was cool and there was no screen obviously so you couldn't work it out so you you had to like pay to work out whether you got it right you know so you took your 24 shots your 36 and then you just walk down the street with this film like that and hope that that dude that like jumped down those steps and then he died that didn't risk it for you to shoot something overexposed which was a lot a lot of overexposed stuff like a lot of crap photos like I've looked through them over the years I've just been like like every year I go through this this pile like started like a foot and a half high and each year I just like knock out a couple inches I'm like take that one up that's gone it's gone it's gone now we're down to like hopefully some that are some sort of use to me I guess but um, yeah it would have been like all sorts of all sorts of random bike riding and uh, all shot on that film I did like weddings and stuff for friends on it and shot in black and white and then like developed it all developed the film I don't know if anyone's developed film themselves but it's like a real blind job you know your hands are in a in a bag and you don't know what you're doing and working that stuff out so it was it was interesting it was, uh, but it was the only option back then. You know, you didn't. You know, my dad would have been like, "Oh, when I was," he doesn't speak like that at all. <laughs> but uh, when I was your age, I was doing something. I was like, "Yeah, dead on, fella. We got all this tech now. It's got autofocus, so that you know things like that." That helped. And uh, at what point did you go digital? When I go digital, um, I probably shot that thing for about five or maybe five years, and then I remember buying a. 
I went digital because oh no, I, I went yeah, I went to a digital Nikon actually after that. I shot for, shot a Nikon for a good few years. So maybe like the age of twenty one, like I got this Nikon D eighty and I shot um, on that for years and that was really really good. Like and uh, I kind of got used to shooting with that with like a wide Sigma lens and did a lot of bike photography. Did stuff for like like some bike brands would sponsor some of the riders here, so I go take the photos of them. Um, did a lot of, like at that point I was kind of one of the only guys maybe like two or three of us taking photos and there wasn't a big scene of people photographing anyone um, so it was kind of cool you would take the photographs and people knew you like oh Dylan's going to take photographs so yeah. you were cool because you'd I'd get into these bike events for free because people were like come on to go, you can take the photos but then you also got loads of these little scrotes who were coming in like just ragging about in their bikes and they'd be like yeah man take a photo of me take a photo of me and they'd be like do it a bunny hop or like a wheelie and I'd yeah. be like just have to humor them like this is but lucky it was digital because like, if I was doing that on film I'd be dying so yeah, shot on shot on that Nikon for years, um, and then switched to Canon when I wanted to wanted to take on a bit more video work, and I just didn't have the setup that was of any sort of use, and that was a, strictly just a just a photo camera. So I moved to Canon, like, and that was the, that was sort of one of the biggest moves for me was because it was Nikon for years, and I knew the system, and knew how it worked, and then I remember just like selling all the Nikon gear and be like, I'm gonna buy Canon for video. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of quite cool, like, but it's quite nice, you know, interchanging those sort of platforms and camera setups and stuff. So when you went video, do you remember the first time that you were actually on the camera, the way that we would know you to be now? I've been doing that for years, like, I, yep. like legit have like, like all my yeah, like like. Like when I was a kid, like my dad used to have this like handy cam thing and uh, he would like give it to us to film bits and I would like talk to the camera. But I wasn't thinking about it then. It was just like a classic kid, but I would have lifted up and like narrated what we were doing and walking yeah. around a stupid camera, you know, like, and it was like we were on our holidays or out in the garden doing something. I'd be talking about what we're doing and what, what's, what we're planning on doing. It was loads of that sort of stuff. Um, but I, but look, while I was taking photos, I also had this Sony handy cam and I filmed and took photos the whole time. So I got like... Wow. I get that abundance of VHS tapes that are just like what felt like like epic footage at that time I was like lads we're going to be sponsored these will be the tapes that get us there and I watched some like a month ago and I was just like what were we doing like yeah. hours yeah. and hours of this nonsense footage um, but it's so funny watching back because I had this old camera and I had this like wide angle like well fisheye lens screwed on to the end of my, my my Pentax camera at that time and we just duct taped it to the front of the video camera Epic. so it was like that's how we got that wide and it was all back when you had this like this black ring effect and every yeah. skate video had it and everyone was down low <laughs> and, you had this, and it was just duct taped to the front so I did all that so the, the Canon was just a step up from that I guess and just a bit more control so when was the first time you got paid to take a video or take a photo um probably like when I was about mid maybe like early 20s would have got paid to take photos or videos at the skate park it would have been like yeah. like Monster Energy had some jams and some events out there and they would have like paid me cash to take photos or um, and then hooked me up with drinks and free entry and stuff yeah. like that so it was small little things like that um, while I was studying in college but yeah. like a lot of it was just self-taught just walking around taking yeah. photos and didn't really didn't really ever think about making money from it because like I, I always knew I wanted to be a graphic designer that's always what I was planning on so I never gave it any thought. It was just like, I'll just take photos and video for a laugh. Yeah. And I think not having a, a financial goal in that is what allowed me to really like start to enjoy it and really start to like see the passion side for it, I guess. Um, and then I, I just, that was like extra cash, so like a hundred sure. quid to like spend a whole day shooting photographs. Like, I was like, what? I think I'm out of cheesy beanos. I can buy this, boys. <laughs> so there was a lot of that, like, cause I was getting like, you know, I was, I was working in a cinema getting like a hundred pound a fortnight for like cleaning up other people's popcorn. So like extra hundred pound cash taking photos sounded great. Yeah. And when did you transition into working full time creatively for the agency? Well, I finished, so I, I did a whole bunch of like, I studied, uh, what was it? Multimedia, mixed multimedia and then creative multimedia. Went from tech to the ABCE and then I went to Queens. And a lot of that was just like, I knew, cause I knew I wanted to be a designer. I thought I don't want to study graphic design because I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. So I was like, I don't want to do all that now. So I'm just going to do real hands-on stuff. So what I studied was TV production, video production, photography, art, did like potato printing. If anyone's done that. Like, yeah, I was like, is this, well, we're really going to be doing this. But actually, that's a good lesson. Um, so I did all that. And then when I finished Queens, um, I had some friends who own it. Well, they were friends after this, but I just knew some guys who owned this bike shop called Chain Ration Cycles. And they were real small at this time. And they were sort of kicking 
kicking up their creative team. There was like three or four of them in the creative team. Uh, two were family members, two were just other designers, and they were looking for a junior designer. So I applied for the job, and because I was into bikes, they were like, yeah, come on down, have a chat, and I ended up getting the job as a junior graphic designer. And that was maybe like 2007, I guess. Um, and I started working there as a junior designer. And it was kind of cool. Like, I just came in to this like environment, and my dad was like, oh, you need to go work for an agency. You can't work in a bike shop in Doak, like it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> in Doak? Yeah, in Doak. Yeah, that was horrible. Like, I mean, not the place. Doak's horrible. Like, <laughs> but um, I went out there, like, and it was, it was interesting. It was a hell of a drive every day. Like, for me, it was like driving. It was like 25, 26 miles every day, each way. Um, so I would have driven out there and just worked as a designer. And that was like the first, I mean, it was the first proper job that I, I ever sort of had. And it, I worked there for 10 years. Wow. So it was, um, it was, uh, did a lot uh, in that time, like for sure. Yeah. So you worked there for 10 years until really about four well, or five months ago? No, no. Actually, I, well, I worked there. So I worked there for 10 years as a junior, jumped up all the things and went from junior to middleweight to senior to creative lead. And then I became like acting, acting creative director, I guess. Awesome. Um, it was a creative like, design manager and I was in charge of running the whole brand and, the creative side of the brand and I ran everything from photography to video production to design to social media all that I mean it was a big team it wasn't just me like but I was I was effectively like head creative yeah. um, and I was there for like I was there for about nine and nine years when I decided is I decided to move on and I, that's when I had my nursing and works it was just under 10 years I worked there I guess but I had a, like a lesson when I was working there real real early on um, where we were doing these like these do these concept adverts I was basically I come up with an idea and then design and I had this idea and I was like can we do this and the managers at the time were like well yeah you can do it but we haven't got any money like we can't buy that or get that prop or set that stuff up and I said to them if I do this for free if I can find a way to do this for free can we do it and I go stupid question yeah. you know yeah crack on dude that's alright so I did and I did it for free and they loved it and then I just sort of did the next thing and what that allowed me to do was was put my name down as someone that was a bit resourceful and a bit like you know, had a bit of initiative and could think out of the box, I guess. And that just sort of, that's kept me in good stead for my whole life. And I've just carried on doing it. And that's how I got all this. That's how I got the promotions. That's how I got to where I was. And in those 10 years of working Chain Rational, I never once got a budget for anything. And we did like TV adverts for Eurosport. We did like 80 magazines a month advertising, like all sorts. I've never had any money. It was all like, what can you make with nothing? And that has been like gold for me. That has been absolute gold because when I left Chain Reaction to go and experience agency life, I started, I got a job as an art director in an agency in a city center. And I walked in, the first thing they gave me to do, they were like, can you do this? And I was like, yeah, no worries. I'll set that up and take a photograph here. And they were like, no, no, it's, we'll, we'll organize a photo shoot. I was like, okay, that's cool. When do you want me to do it? They're like, we'll get a photographer to do it. And I was like, but you're gonna have to pay that photographer. And they're like, it's cool. We got like four grand to get this done. <laughs> I was like, what? We could keep that four grand if we don't spend that. Yeah, exactly. So it was mind blown. And um, they learned very quickly that Dylan could do this and they didn't have to, they could make more money if they got Dylan to do this. So then I worked out like very quickly the value of what I, what I had learned. And I was like, at, at that point, I'd never really seen the value in it. You know, I was like, it didn't, didn't register with me at all until after, after two years of working in the agency, I was like, do you know what? This is like, this lesson is actually this is my this is my skill this is the thing that I've got yeah. that because I'm not finesse is not my thing like I don't film the best videos take the best photographs or design the best things but like he's not in a way he loves it <laughs> he agrees but like I can do it with like I'm pretty good at most things that's you know I'm pretty good but you are, um, you're a creative jack of all trades yeah 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 and I think I think that's that's kind of what works for me and in the agency life I just learned that and I got to know all the brands I was working with and the customers and different clients and the team and I was able to do all the stuff so I was able to shoot photographs for like Powers Whiskey I was able to shoot photos for Belvedere Vodka and then do things with West Coast Cooler and Fashion Week things I would never have done working in the bike industry and after two years I thought I love what I've learned here and I've learned everything I, like I've got an insight into how agencies work and what they do and I was like but I just really want to work for myself I just want a bit of balance um, I want to be able to work with clients that I like I want to be able to work with people that I like I want to be able to things that align with what I believe and mostly I wanted time to spend with my life and my family so uh, yeah it all started with a tattoo on my arm um, which is make it count and then this like compass it's got a surfboard a camera uh, two bike wheels and then the initials of my kids and my wife and myself and it was just like the only tattoo I have and it was just a reminder to like whatever you're doing every single day just be in the moment and enjoy that so if I'm taking a photo or video and I'm with my kids or with the missus that we make those those time that time count because it was too easy to just like get sucked in the work um, and then you end up like 
putting all the stress on yourself to do stuff and then realize like like what I was doing in a day in an agency and what I could do freelance I was like I could do the full week's work in three days freelance in my head um, and so far it seems to be it seems to be going that way um, so I just was like right I'm, I'm done like so I handed my notice in like at Christmas time last year <laughs> it was a horrible, horrible time to handle it, especially when kids are like, can I add this to the list? Can I add that to the list? I'm like, that Santa's bugger this year, to yeah. be honest. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of cool, handed the notice in there and then left, like, within, like, because of the amount of time I'd been there, like, I was able to leave in, like, a week, which gave me this period of time to just build up some contacts. And since January 1st, like, I've been fully working for myself now. Unbelievable. And what do you think has been the most challenging part of moving from employment to self-employment? <laughs> Um, aligning time to do work like it's so easy to have a meeting like it's super easy to phone someone up and be like do you want to have a coffee and people do they're like hey do you, do you want to grab a coffee I'd love to chat to you about some stuff and you're thinking Ooh, this is some work and it's just some bro wants to have a chat yeah. and you're sitting there for like 20 minutes going this is great dude but I've actually got a load of work to do yeah. so I found it really difficult to like to have a meeting and then remember to like align time for myself you know so assign like okay Thursday I'm going to do the work that I just talked about the whole yeah. week could go by with meetings and I'm like damn I have to actually do this sure. that's the hardest without a doubt what helps you say no or is that something that you're learning at the minute I'm uh, married missus tells me yeah she's like she's like not important I'm like oh, but don't this, meet this person don't meet my yeah. I'm like I'm just gonna time. do that just to get is it you need to do that other stuff I'm like oh, alright fair enough like it's like literally like a kid like oh alright so she wants to be like she wants to like I'm working on a project and she's gonna work with me on it and she's gonna hopefully run that because she's real like organized like that I'm, I'm a bit like through other and a bit like of an airhead so I get like super excited about something. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be amazing. And we're gonna go do this. And she's like, okay, cool. Are you getting paid for that? No, absolutely not. But it's gonna be so much fun. She's like, what are we gonna gain from this? Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna get to go here yeah, yeah, and yeah. meet this person and do this. And it's gonna be so good. But she's real supportive of it and she gets it. But she does keep me right, like, and helps me to remember, like, to actually sit and do the work, dude. Yeah. I uh, didn't know the story behind that tattoo. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, my first encounter with Dylan uh, whenever I set Best of Belfast up about a year ago uh, was over Instagram the way most of us kind of meet these days and I kept sharing his photos like this guy's awesome and then I kept getting tagged in other photos and I would share them too and then another account and I would share that too and then it kind of just realized oh my goodness Dylan has like five Instagram accounts and I had yeah. no idea <laughs> so I was sharing photos from yeah. his um, my personal craft account. beer his yeah, craft yeah, beer that's right. brand that he had and he was brewing yeah. beer he's got his own brand he's got Dylan takes photos and then you do the cycling blog for a while cycling well. blog as well yeah and I was always just from the get go I was like Dylan Osborne, how does this guy have so much energy? So that is my, that's my selfish question I want to ask you is, where do you get your energy from and why are you so driven? Um, fidget ass would be more than, like, I'm glad you guys see it as a positive light because I see it like just a fidget. Like, I don't know, I can't sit still. Like, I'm always like, oh, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do this. So I do, like, I have a cycling blog that I write when I ride bikes and I've got a beer blog when I, and I try to make beer and, and I've got a design thing called Shove It, which has been like my thing for like last 12 years, like a freelance bit. I don't know where the energy comes from. I think it's just like always wanting to be doing something. Like, and it's not like, it's not like, like I, I see time. I have this conversation with my wife all the time. Like, I see time different to her. Like, if I see, if she's working, if she works in a hotel and she's working at three o'clock, like that's, she's like, I'm working three to nine today. That's it. That's her day. She'll wait till three o'clock, you know, just sit there. Where I'm like, that's, think of the things that can be done between now and three. Uh, but like, no my, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> the difference is like, she makes it to work on time. I'm late for okay. everything because I'm like, well, I could do this. And then my, it's, it's kind of like really bad time management. Um, but it's but it's what gives me opportunities. It's when I see something and I'm like, I, you know, I could do that. Like my wife was working the other day at tw- like 12 o'clock. And the night before, I was like, I want to surf tomorrow. The surf looks pretty good. She was like, I'm working at 12. And I was like, that's all right. I can make it to the North Coast and back in that time. She was like, it's going to be tight. I was like, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll camp. So like at, at nine o'clock on a Friday, I just drove up to the North Coast with my brother. We pitched a tent in the darkness. And then we got up at like five in the morning, surfed. And then I was back home at like two minutes to 12, like just enough time for her to be four minutes late. You know, so, but I got like, I got back and I was like, oh, I was pumped for the rest of the day yeah. because I felt like I didn't waste it. Like I can't stand lying in and I don't like going to bed early because I just feel like I'm wasting all this time. 
Um, and sometimes I'm not even achieving anything mm-hmm. in that time, but it's just like, it's just become a way of like, like I look at my day in three, you know, I've got like, you've got like the morning, the afternoon, the evening, that's three parts. So the, the, the difference of things that can be done in that time, I guess, is just, whereas my wife will see like, she'll write a day off if she's doing something or it's kind of just a different view, I guess. Yeah. And all this to say, we haven't even touched the Instagram stories, okay, which seems to be a massive part of your life from the consumer's perspective. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're on Instagram and you just see Dylan putting out an incredible amount of content on his stories. And before I met you, before I was chatting to you, I was like, does this guy even work? Like, does this guy have a job? <laughs> and then the more I got to know, he's like, oh my goodness, he's working for an agency. He's doing all this stuff on the side. I just couldn't get over like how you were able to do all this stuff. So you have used Instagram stories as a platform to basically vlog your life. Yeah. So the daily vlogs are very, very popular all over YouTube. People like Casey Neistat. You have done something different where you, instead of going straight to YouTube, you do it natively on Instagram. Yeah. So what got you into that and why Instagram stories? Well, Casey Neistat obviously is a huge inspiration. I'd, I'd watched him before he daily vlogged because he was just because of his filmmaking. And then he started daily vlogging and I was like, this makes so much sense. Like, because I have this issue where I want to make a video and no one wants to like be in it. Cause I'm like, can you walk across that road, look super casual and then step and then they're like, no, Dylan, just leave me alone. Yeah. So now I realize like if I just do it, I could just tell the story and everyone else can just crack on and do what they need to do. And then I'll just narrate the story. So when I saw him doing it, I was like, this makes so much sense. This is what I've been doing for years with my friends on the bikes, but I never saw that as, I saw that as just more for me to remember it. I'm just talking to the yeah. camera to remember it. Where then I realized that this is maybe the way for me to narrate it. But then I was like, that, you know, like I work full time. I can't just carry a camera in and out of the office. Like people are gonna get really annoyed at me. Like I, I also don't really have the time to edit at the end of the day because it's a full day of work full, and trying to film. And then at the end of the day, I've got to edit and I've got to see my kids and my wife works different hours. So I was like, how do I make this fit? Then Instagram released stories. And I kind of looked at them for like two or three weeks and I was like, what is this about? What are these? Like, and people were putting these random photos of themselves up. And it was like, it was like the early days Instagram where like people were just literally like, oh, look, like a salad. A and then I mean, we, I mean, and that was it. That was the only story for the whole day. Yeah. You know, people didn't really know what to do. And I didn't know really what to do with it either. So I tinkered a bit with it. And then I thought, here, I said to my wife, after about three or four weeks of it, of it being out, I said to her, could I daily vlog on Instagram? And she was like, don't see why not. She's like, but what about the break in between? I was like, well, like, I'll just use that. I'll just use those segments for my cuts. So I'll just talk. And, and that's sort of how it started. So one day I just like pulled the camera out and I was like, all right. And I didn't really know what to do. You know, I was like, all right. And the walking through Belfast here. And then just sort of didn't read really that on my way to work. And then someone was like, sweet, where do you work? And I was like, oh, just at this agency. Oh, I didn't know you did that. So then I started just walking around and doing that and it was kind of weird for like a month where I sort of did it on and off and didn't really know what I was doing and then uh, I just I'd seen a lot of like a lot of complaints about weather and people like people always bitching about the weather here and I'm like you're in Northern Ireland like it rains a lot like just deal with that or yes. or move like so I was like I'm sick and tired of it so I was like do you know what I'm just gonna do a story here in the rain so I got up one day and just just did my whole story in a pissing rain <laughs> and absolutely wrecked my iPhone like it, I was it was in a bag of rice for like three days um, but I walked around in the rain just being like it's raining like get over it like let's just see the beauty in what this is so i walked around i was like yeah it's pissing down with rain here but if you look at it from this angle or you get this bit of cover or you see the way it's bounced off these cars look how beautiful it can be and then i did this puddle shot thing which i sort of do all the time and was like look at this puddle for example like you, you know you might look at that building and see this drab building but if you look down there's this oil in the puddle from this car and if you flip your camera and take a photograph look what it can look like and i did this mega cheesy click and then I did it. There was the photo. And then everyone, like at that stage, everyone was like, yeah. what's going on? And loads of people were like, oh my God, I've never looked at a puddle like that before. And I was like, really? I spent a lot of my time like just looking at all these things. So then people, like I got a good response from this puddle shot. And then I was like, well, I'll just keep doing that. So I just kept doing these puddle shots. And I was like, well, if you like that, like if you, do you, like how many, I started walking to work. So I'd be walking from like Central Station to, to uh, where I work, where is it? The cathedral quarter, yeah, yeah, right? So um, every day I was just watching these people doing this like this walk, head down. And they're all walking like like they hate life. And I was like, this sucks balls, man. Like, yeah. what are these people doing? Like, just look up, look at all the stuff you're missing. Like, there's a bird that just like swooped down real cool in the background there, you know. That puddle splashed that dude, that's hilarious. You know, that woman's umbrella's just turned inside out. And no one's seen it because we're all just like, oh, work, work. So I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start talking about the other things you can see. So it was like, you can look up, you can look here, you can see these things. Um, and the more I did that, the more people started responding, being like, hey, that was really cool. Like, I was having a really day today. Um, 
but like that's actually picked me up or I didn't yeah. think about doing that um, and then I did this thing called Broly Watch which was just like a laugh like because like I find nothing better than like like enjoying other people's misery sometimes you know like when like totally. but like but like lighthearted misery like an umbrella inside out it's like if it's you and it's your umbrella you feel like the whole world has just looked at you and gone oh my god <laughs> that guy's brought but no one cares but I'm watching you know so like it was this woman she was like she was they walked out of the shop and I thought she's not that's a pound shop umbrella that thing's going and she's like straight inside out and I was like but I saw her so I was just like phone out my pocket video her. boom and it was inside out and I was like that lady's umbrella is totally wrecked and then I just carried on doing that video and these people with umbrellas and there's people like they're all wrecked and they're just walking down the road like covering themselves and then loads of people were like this is unbelievable I've never and then loads of people were like that's my friend like look at her umbrella and they were tagging each other and I realized that there's this community on Instagram that yeah. I couldn't necessarily get quickly in YouTube and there was immediate interaction immediate engagement um, and then I started having these conversations with people and realizing that the stuff maybe that most people overlooked that I saw that I didn't take as a, as a big thing loads of people loved um, and what it started doing is it started making me like force myself to look more so there's like these days when I like cannot be bothered and I'm like and there's, I found myself at the start like forcing myself and to be like ah, oh, I don't want to come across like I don't want to be walking down a road like miserable and then just be like yeah what's happening everybody yeah. great day back to that again but what I started was like right if I'm going to do this it's got to be legit so I made myself do stuff so like at lunchtime every day at work I could be at work sitting there going making a change the client wants to make it blue the client wants to make it red I'm like kill me kill me right now and I'm like at lunchtime I'm going to go and do something so at lunchtime I started setting these goals I'm going to go photograph buildings I'm going to go and look for birds I never look for birds I don't know why I said that uh, I'm going to go look at this I'm going to go to Queens and then start doing bits like that and then every day what that did is gave people content that they enjoyed that they could talk to but it made me go and like explore and I learned so much about Belfast City just from doing that the city centre and then started pushing out the different areas of it and that's kind of how I got talking to the likes of you and yeah. other people and like the, like the friendships and the people that I've met from doing that it's all just being through just making myself do something on Instagram what do you think has been the coolest thing that's come out of your Instagram stories so like I, I know a lot of my personal friends they watch your vlogs the same way someone would come home and watch a reality TV show like it's part of their schedule it's part of their life and that gives them quite close access to you as a person because you're just one day yeah, away yeah. so what has been the coolest thing that's come from that well there's been a load of cool things but the first things and it would have to be the big lad here Mr. Gallon um, the first time I met him and he asked me for a photograph which was like insane at that time because I was like and he was like yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and it was like it was it was that day because you were like I, you know, I talked to you on Instagram and like that for me felt so alien yeah. but it was like it was that and there was another there was another guy a guy called um, Bongo Bike Tours you probably follow him yeah. and see him but he was standing in Sorry, the queue he's actually my he was my technology teacher in school oh, really so shout out to Mr. Calvert there you go there you go yeah so he was standing in the queue for Belsonic and I was walking out of Belsonic because I was filming some stuff working for Magnus and I came walking out and he was in a queue and he shouted Dill, Dill takes photos and I was like what the hell and I looked around and he was running over the road at me and I was like what is this guy doing and he's like mate can I take a photograph from my friend I was like what yeah of course you can and of course I pulled this like ridiculous like thumb face and I'm like oh brilliant that was the shot he tagged me and I looked at it and I was like I gotta have a better face I gotta have a better face for that so that was kind of like the first time I realized that it had an impact on people and like I know when I follow people for ages and then you meet them in real life you're like it's kind of like oh, I only know you from the yeah, from my yeah. phone I only know you from that and then you meet them in real life it's kind of cool like so I realized that that has a bigger impact and that it get that I have a responsibility to well, to do to do things that I feel are like adding something and like I'm naturally quite pessimistic so I can complain really quickly so Instagram's taught me and made me stop complaining a bit and uh, try to just find fun things to do and find energetic things to do and explore a bit more so yeah. it's been great for me and it's been great for other, for other people who message me yeah on the flip side of that uh, I was listening to a podcast yesterday with Casey Neistat and Candice it's called Couples Therapy and they're, they're kind of chatting about the difficulties of people having such easy access to their lives mm -hmm. has there been any challenging situations that's come out of um, putting so much of yourself out there yeah yeah there have been a couple like I've had a, like I had a run in with a couple of people like online where just like mixed up. like people like people message me like I get quite a, a I don't get a hell of a lot but I get like 25 DMs a day probably yeah. and I have to answer them and then then a conversation on like I'm, I'm like five answers through and then the first person asks the second question and then yeah. before I know it I'm like this I look up and Pamela's just looking at me like that. 
<laughs> Not the time. And I'm like, I'm just replying to, uh, to Stevie 56. They want to know what you want? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. They want to know what I'm editing on. I'm like, so I'm like firing this message back to them. And, uh, like, I, so I, so I thoroughly enjoy that. And I've always replied to every message that comes through. But then sometimes, like, people, like, the, I had this odd situation with some people where they've been like, Thank God no one's in the room here today. But they've, uh, they've, they've messaged and then like I've responded and then like they've asked a second question and I haven't responded because I've been doing something. And then they've like wanted to like meet up or do something weird. And I'm like, well, to be honest, like I haven't really got time or like I can't do that. And then it's, it's just turned into this like explosion of like full on like negativity online. And I got loads of abuse about it. They're laughing. They know exactly what it is. Um, but like there, there's a few of those things where it's, it's been hard where I like didn't expect it. Yeah. And I was like, how can like somebody be giving me a, like, like full on ragging me online? I'm like, Jesus, that was where I was like, I'm just going to stop doing this. Like, I don't, I don't want to do this if, if, if anyone's going to give me abuse for it. But then I learned really quickly, like, people are going to give you abuse. Like, yeah. there are going to be, there are going to be people that just, it doesn't matter what you do, they just don't like what you're doing. And like, you could try your hardest. I just thought, you know, it's not worth it. Screw it. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I, as long as I like doing it, that's all that matters. And yeah. if people like it, they do. So, how, have you come up with any, like, strategies to help you deal with that? The negativity when it does never become. Um, when the, the haters come. Yeah, I, I just kind of try to ignore it. Yeah. yeah, and like the wife, like she she chats me about it, and she she helped me early on do it. Um, but it is it's a weird thing, like because people you kind of feel like people are giving you a hard time for no like without justification, and I'm like you really, especially like when they start they start like judging your character, and that's what got me. The, uh, and this one this one occasion happened where someone started like questioning my character online. I was like, well, like that's not what it's about. You don't know me. Like you can't judge my character. So that was kind of hard. But I just kind of just like brush it off and move on. Like. Um, but it does have its it does have its weird little bits, and sometimes it's a bit in like I it's a bit invasive in my my personal life. Like I'm sometimes doing too much, or like cramming, or replying to messages, and it, so I'm trying to balance like when I do it and like how I interact and how I bring the family into it. Like cause sometimes Pamela will be doing something, I'm like cameras on her, and she's like in her pajamas, like what are you doing? And I'm like oh I'll do that again, freaking. So sometimes I like have to delete the video because she's literally like triple chinned it, and she's like <laughs> pulling something out of the cooker in her pajamas, and I'm like oh I have to move that out of the way. So it's like learning to have like a boundary at home, like and respect that sometimes she doesn't want to be in it, or like the kids don't want to be in it, or sometimes like it's it's how much I show the kids. Like it's, there's a whole bunch of weird things that I'm still trying to get through. Yeah. So for all the people who maybe message you saying, "Oh, Dylan, I love your Instagram stories." Uh, what advice can you give me to make mine better? What would you tell them? Not necessarily go into technical details. Yeah, yeah. That might be difficult, but especially for people who. Oh, even people in this room I've talked to you today they're like oh, I want to put myself on camera more but I'm too shy or I think I sound like an absolute knob like yeah. you know, what do you say to that I just think like understanding your story because that is what everybody gets like, like I watch loads of people's stories and like some people are good at it some people aren't some people are learning and it's cool when you see someone learn quickly but like I learned quite quickly that it's about that story like sometimes I'm doing it I'm waffling and I'm like and then people like I'll finish a story for a day and be like oh, I talked way too much there and then there'll be loads of responses and then another day I'll be like that was that was awesome like I did all these cool moves and these little edits and no one gives a sod you know, so it's like as long as your story's right whether you film like b-roll sides sort of stuff or whether you're filming talking whatever it is like understand what that narrative is start to finish and make sure you have a start a middle and end that's really the, the only important thing like because it doesn't matter who you are and how you talk um as long as you just like you're doing what you do and you're telling your story then it, it works and people who follow you and like you for being you they'll they'll always watch the stuff it seems to be yeah so bigger picture here what role do you think video has to play in storytelling and let's let's go let's go even just say for businesses so for local Northern Irish businesses, maybe small to medium size, they're not utilizing video right now. You know, how would you, what would you say to them? It's like, you need to be using video, why? Um, I think because we got a short attention span, so getting someone across in video is really quick. Um, it's also a hell of like naturally it's more engaging, especially if the person doing it is engaged. But I would, I would say to businesses that they need to have someone internally there who's who's just is on it like you know it's it's one thing like there's nothing where sometimes you'll see like business do it and they'll be like the dude or the guy or the girl will talk and they're like just horrible at it yeah and i'm like you know like, you maybe aren't right for that you know find someone that is right or bring someone to work with you that is right to do it but just just that engagement side of it that ability to be able to put video on that stops someone in the tracks that that gets a message across quite quickly and gets a lot of information across quickly but then also allows you to talk to them so like putting a video on Facebook's great because then someone can comment on it but if you don't reply to that comment what's the point 
You know, if you put a tweet out with a video and you don't respond back to the retweets, yeah. what the, what's up? There's no point. Sure. It's like a start of a conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And what would you say? I don't know what I'm going to say right now. Um, I'm going to ask you a question now. If you could take anyone out for coffee in North Ireland, who would it be and why? Yeah, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I suppose I, I quite like the one that I said the last time we did this podcast because it was a funny reason. And I said, like, I'd probably stick by now, like Stephen Nolan. Yeah. Just because uh, just because it will be interesting, like, because he's, he's kind of, like, he's mega controversial and he's super irritating. Um, like, and I used to listen to him all the time. Be- not by choice. Someone made me listen to it every day, like, in work. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy. And he was like, he's such an antagonist. You know, like, he'll be, like, he'll be fighting two sides of the story, you know, like, whether someone should do this or that. And he's like, so, like, the flag, for example, the old yeah. flag. Good old flag. Yeah, he'd be like, so I totally think these people should, they sh- the flag should be up all year. I totally agree with it. Don't you think so? And the guy's like, yeah, and he riles them up. And then as that guy gets riled up, he just switches sides. Yeah. He's good at it though. And he jumps back and he goes, but maybe they don't want the flag up, you know? Like, and then, <laughs> then these two people are like fighting it. And like, really? Like, they probably could just like iron this out quite yeah. quickly. But I quite like his, like, the way he antagonizes people. So I'd love to sit down and just have a chat and maybe throw some controversial issues at him and see what, just see what he does in like a one to one. Yeah. I mean, he's very good at what he does. He is, like, like he's brilliant at it. talented, like you said, flipping the script on people and just getting a reaction. Yeah, for sure. And he knows a lot about the country. Like, he's been involved in so many little bits and, like, such an array of things. Like, I just think he'd be quite an interesting chat to, especially because I get quite, like, heated and quite, like, I'm quite a good, like, I enjoy debating. I love an old, like, argument, you know? And, um, like, I just love to just talk to someone like that and just get, like, dead yeah. heated about it and get all annoyed and just be like at the end laugh it off and walk away so I think it'd be quite an interesting conversation to have with him I think it'd be be quite funny like cool who would be your dream client and what would you like to do for them dream client is someone that just like just, I suppose it just gives me a shout and says I want you just to do what you do for us like and just gives me full reign to do it <laughs> you know like no questions asked crack on Dill um, someone that ties in somebody like in sports or you know like beer drinking and to be honest with you i work with a few of these people at the minute anyway like you know things that things that i can talk about because like, i don't really mind just having a go and saying something and like saying it all wrong or pronouncing it wrong things like that but something that aligns with what i do like and at the minute i'm working with some clients that do align with that and it's it's pretty good um but it's 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 hard when you're working on someone else's work because you're not fully like fully engulfed in what they do and it's kind of hard to jump in and out of those things but I suppose just a a client that was just open-minded and wanted to try things and let me do things and try different ways doing it and always be willing to change because like I find a lot of people get stuck in in their way of doing it and they get to this point where and I've been talking to someone recently um and it's my mate Ali and we've been chatting about this and he's been talking, telling me the story about saying the word fine and like so many times we work with a client he's like we're fine with that I mean, like, or personally he's like I'm fine like fine's just like you're not happy to do either you, you're, you're okay like yeah. being fine means like I, it's nothing's bad enough that I want to change it but like nothing's good enough that I want to make a next move I'm just like stuck in the middle so like someone wants to take a bit of a risk I quite enjoy doing that sort of stuff cool and last question before we uh, jump to some audience questions um, what do you see yourself doing in 10 years time like what's the dream the dream is I want to run my own studio um, and so I've had this thing called shove it for years and I got to the point like where I was going to that was what I was going to do but then I felt like I'd un, like outgrown it it was called shove it because I skate I was with skaters and because it was kind of an attitude thing like shove, oh, it, shove it they just give it to me and it was like super cool when I was like 18 you know yeah. shove it and I like graffitied it on stuff not like visual waste graffiti like literally like a, <laughs> like an actual sprayer <laughs> but it got into a Rihanna video so there's like my logos all over this Rihanna video so like it's kind of cool which one um, I, f- I can't remember this place. Uh, that yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so something like so I had that and then I was about to like launch it like relaunch it and then I thought I'm uh, I'm over this because I did some work for Belfast Cathedral and they messaged me back going we're just querying something you send us through your invoice and it says shove it invoice (laughs) and I was like oh that's my business and they were like you might want to rethink that name and I thought that's actually not bad it sounds ridiculous for an adult to be saying that so I've I've rebranded that it's got a new name Um, guess I could say what it is um, the, the brand is called Lekka and it's basically like a it's going to be my like, creative studio with my brother and my sister and my wife's going to be part of it um, and I want that to be like it's 
own sort of entity. It's going to be like a full creative studio, but not like an agency. I, I, I don't, the agencies are really good and there's a place for them, but there's, there's smaller businesses that just need a hands-on. Like people just love what they're doing and want to just help. And I'm a problem solver. So I like to sit down and talk to people. Um, so I just want to work with smaller local places and just have them like, work with clients I like, work with brands I like, and make enough money that I can just have a good balance of life. I don't want to be, I don't like the nine to five graft. I like the freedom to be able to pick my kids up from school or go for surf on a Monday at like nine o'clock, you know, but balance that in with work. And I kind of just want to find that. If I can have a nice balanced life and run my own studio, that's that's the dream. That's the dream. Awesome. Why end on the end of the episode here? So give us 15 minutes. And does anybody have any questions you'd like to ask? No pressure, guys. We can wait here all day. Literally, we can edit out this pause. Yeah, we can't. <laughs> can't edit that out, though, can we? Oh, we're gonna have to time lapse it, maybe. We'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that'll be interesting. But it's um, crag on Jaggy. So, uh, how did you find the approach to YouTube as opposed to Instagram? Hell of a difficult. Yeah, I found like Instagram was super easy for me to talk, especially because it felt kind of intimate. And then I was like, oh, cool, I'll do this on, on YouTube. And the first one I tried to do is a power video vlog. And every time I watch it back, I'm like, oh, so cringe. Like, you know, like it, it, I suppose maybe you're, maybe you're hypercritical of yourself. You know, you see all your own faults, don't you? But I find YouTube real difficult. Like, I'll put a video up and be like, loads and loads of effort on it, stick it up, and I get like 180 views. I'm like, oh, why? I felt like I put so much effort into it. Um, and I suppose that I've got a lot to learn with like YouTube, like upload times and what content, and like the length and when when not to be talking, getting that balance. But I find YouTube like, it feels very distant. It feels like I upload it to a platform that's quite disconnected from me, where Instagram feels like it's it's part of me I suppose I mean I don't know if anyone else is you do a bit of Instagram and, and you I wouldn't say I do a bit of Instagram man. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one knew what you do <laughs> yeah, but, uh, no, YouTube's yeah. definitely the platform for me but yeah I, I know what you mean yeah. you know what you mean because like at least with Instagram it's like you can put something up and as you said if you don't think it was very good it's gone yeah. you can start fresh but if yeah. you put a YouTube video up it's up there, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, people save it. It's like, if you delete it, they'll put it back up again. I know, I know. Yeah, and you see a lot of that sort of stuff, like, people popping it back up. And it is hard. Like, and I suppose that was maybe what helped me at the very beginning was the fact that Instagram stories disappear because you could just take this risk. So, like, I could film that person with their umbrella because it'll be gone tomorrow. You know, you pop it on YouTube, someone's going to be like, that's my nan, you shouldn't have filmed her. You know, something like that. So, Instagram's real cool because it's, like, kind of a kind of risk-free I guess um, maybe highlights have changed it a bit um, but I still want to like relook at how I do highlights um, and that sort of stuff because I just sort of bombard up a bunch of bits that I like but I kind of think there's a different way to use highlights and people are already doing it you know using it for categories but um, Instagram fits in with me because it's on the go and it's like as live I like to keep it as live as I can and I've, I've toyed with the idea of filming and editing and sometimes I'll edit in Final Cut Pro and, and bounce it out that way. If I've, and the only time I'll do that is if it's more important for me to be in the moment than it is to be doing the story. So like I took my family to the beach uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was all filmed on the phone but it was all edited in Final Cut and that was because it allowed me to just to just film the kids while they're playing and just and not spend time looking at the camera. So just film the bits that I need and build that story and then edit at the end. Um, whereas like when I'm walking about like it's I'm only going to be dandled about looking at puddles so I'm like I'll just <laughs> talk to the camera so it's getting that little balance right of, of what I do and, and also I've learned a lot about how to tell that story you know at the start like I did this this real I don't know if anyone here has seen it but I did a real early story where I told like did a whole story in 15 seconds and like every second I changed like location but I carried on the conversation I was like, I had to try and match the words up. And it was like, it was like a second of every word. I was like, hey, I was going on some way of the train to go home, like, and I go get some dinner. But every second was in a different place as I walked. And that was like, that was hell of a difficult, like, and it was a melt trying to edit on the train. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> but, do um, yeah, all filmed and edited on the phone in iMovie. Goodness me. It was very hard. Like, um, and it just, it, what it taught me was like, there's loads of bits of the story that you feel you need to tell. And then you're like, actually, and I'm learning that with YouTube like so badly where I'm like, oh, I need all this information in. And then I'm like, no, I don't. No one cares. That was irrelevant. So I'm getting better at, at, at cutting out the garbage in my stories and hopefully just uh, having like stuff that's relevant to people. But a lot of that's learning the 15 seconds and how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I have a question. Okay. Um, I su- oh, thanks. Um, I suppose these days, speaking about Instagram, um, 
there seems to be a lot more people these days who are um, taking photos on a professional basis or a full-time basis and I'm kind of wondering does that create a kind of competitive like environment or is it kind of a that makes everyone better or is it more like there's a supportive community because there's more people doing it does it give you kind of like does it propagate that 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 balance you're talking about where people can kind of have that freelance lifestyle or yeah yeah I think it's a good, that's a good question and like a few of us have been talking about that a lot recently like healthy competition I guess um, I know in Belfast is like the majority of us are all pretty cool with each other like we all like I know if like someone takes a photo and I'm like damn that guy got there first you know <laughs> like I'm like oh how can I better that like but it's it's funnier and better when you just speak to that person about it you know um and I think, I think especially in Belfast, it, it's pretty good because we all bounce off each other. So everyone's very open. Like if someone takes a photograph, it's, it's good. Like so, it's so much easier to write like, you know, cool shot, really like that. Um, and I think, it, I think it's working for the, for the, for the better in, in Belfast, especially. We're, there's so much, like so much has happened recently in the last year and a half. Like how many people are coming through now? Like young guys. I know when, we, when I started taking photographs, because I've been doing it for so long. And I think maybe people like don't see that side of what I do so because I've been doing it so long when I do it on Instagram it's very easy to get a higher standard and I remember seeing younger guys coming in and ask questions at the beginning and now they're just firing out these photographs man and like one guy like William somewhere in Belfast like some of the stuff he's just firing out yeah yeah it's just like it's unbelievable dude. some of the shots you, you're firing out there and I remember when you started like and you, you, you could see you testing and stuff and now you've got this like vibe of what you're doing um, and it, it's cool seeing like how quickly people are growing yeah. and it's growing because we're all talking and we're all sharing you know you see something you're like that's a cool shot you know I really like that so I think it's it's definitely got a positive side but there, it has its negatives like you know there are there are always going to be people that that hate on it and it I think you just got like the majority of us 95% of us are cool with it um, I know like myself uh, Tim and Dan over there I only know them through uh, through Instagram and like we have a good healthy competition in that like Tim puts a photograph up and then Dan and I WhatsApp him abuse you know and then keep that <laughs> off Instagram you know so and then the same will go for like I do something you know so there's this like like you know we have these healthy debates and healthy chats about Dylan you shot that on auto and I'm like I didn't shoot that on auto you know? and then <laughs> but then like but then I'm like God oh, must make sure I actually do something better next time so I, I find it quite a nice one nice drive especially like, like Daniel takes amazing shots and sometimes he'll take a photograph in, in Bangor where we both live and then I'll be like damn how do you do that and I'll go down I'll be like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail a shot just like that and try to better it and then I realize like I'm the clue I'm doing what am I? and I do my shot I'm like oh, that's garbage and then I go and do a photo shoot with him one day and I see how he does it um, and it's all auto Dan shoots everything auto, so, uh, <laughs> no but you see the time and effort that he puts into his shots I'm a bit of a shoot from the hip kind of a character um, where someone like him takes a lot of time he thinks about it like uh, Tim and Dan and I did a, a, a night session in Belfast walking around taking photos and me and Tim were just like that building boom boom and Dan was just walking around like that what are these two dudes doing? And then he actually said to us, guys, do we have to just take photos of everything or can we just crack on <laughs> to where we're supposed to be going? And he taught us this lesson, like just chill out, dudes. Like, yeah, you don't have to take every photo on the way there. Like you'll get the shot. And like, that's not me, but I would never learn that stuff without the likes of Instagram and meeting someone like him and being able to see how he shoots and then try to adapt that to the way I shoot. Um, so I think it's very positive. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of healthy competition. I think it's good for it. yeah yeah for sure like i know as a designer like we've had this chat before about designers are very like whole stuff close to their chest it's like no one wants to tell you how they did it or where they got the inspiration or they don't want to tell you their client so everyone's like and if you do something in design you put it out put it out there well, check that out all the designers like that not interested and like most of them are probably like that. that's dope looking but no one wants to say it because they're like I don't want to like acknowledge that dude just did something better than me so no one speaks about it but we just take a photograph up and there's other guys who like who you, I know I'm like that dude always takes a better photo than me and they're like sweet photograph really like that and you're like that's amazing like it's just I think it's a really cool thing and I don't know if that's global but like in Belfast like that's 
pretty tight and like everyone's pretty good with each other and we all chat about it. so I quite like that side of it god that thing's going slow isn't it <laughs> what's your current obsession like what are you currently obsessed with it can be something so general but it uh, doesn't have to be like what am I current yeah what was that <laughs> currently obsessed with oh my god I don't know at the minute that's a difficult one um, what am I currently obsessed with I'm obsessed with trying to I'm obsessed with trying to make this this thing every day this this concept of trying to do something sometimes it like it like clouds my judgment of what I'm trying to do sometimes I like be so obsessed with trying to make a video or a, an intro to something that I forget why I'm doing it so like it'll be like I've had to cut like today like I got up and I was like oh, I must do a story on my way to the car getting a lift in and I was like I've done that like how many times like don't bother just start the story in Belfast so I kind of get obsessed with those sorts of things but but like that's more like an obsessive compulsive side of me I guess um, I'm, I'm real obsessed with making my own brand at the minute like I've been really working hard to try and get a, a hello and a brand and a vibe and all that and in, in my head there's always like this like adrenaline this like excitement of like what I'm going to do with it um, and that's kind of like this driving force for me so I'm changing like I'll have Dill Takes Photos as my own persona but I want to run this brand and this thing is just this thing that's ticking in my head the whole time and I'm just like I just can never get to it I'm always like doing work and I can see it there and I'm like should I should I do that today or you know should I photoshop that picture of Tim should I do this other bit so I was trying to get this balance of bits and pieces um, so yeah I suppose my, my own brand and my own long term goal is being a bit obsessed and, and, and space that word space by the way when did did anyone say space before Casey Neistat got space like I got a space in New York okay. like I, ne- I would never have said that yeah. and the other day in the story I was literally said the words I watched it back I was like idiot I was like oh, looking at a space in Hollywood like uh. but like the idea of this this office like I'm just obsessed with this office idea I've got this vibe in my head that I want and I've been looking around for places to try and get it it's like a studio like a photography studio with a desk in it that's kind of this vibe and I just keep looking at these places and every time I go to a place I'm like I walk around and no one find Randy I can't afford it I've just been like oh my god I could have my bikes could hang here <laughs> I could do that this could be my desk could sit here and then I'm like I can't afford like a grand a month for this it's yeah. ridiculous but I'm still down around these places having a look um, so that's kind of been a bit of an obsession recently like donuts always donuts are huge at the minute aren't they that's the first thing you uh, said to me and I walked in donut yep having another donut I get like I can't get enough of them here's a controversial one where's your favourite place to get a donut in Belfast oh crying out loud this is hard because I, <laughs> I know people in all places um Marks and Spence oh, I'm joking. um oh really I have to say guilt trip I think yeah. just because I don't know it's just something about them and I wouldn't have said that ages ago because I hated the queue you know, not the people people in a queue of sound but standing in a queue like I hate crowds I can't be bothered like, if I have to queue for something I'm like oh my god yeah. like, I've not got the patience I just stand in a queue like I tap my foot so for ages I was like I'm not going because every time I kept going it was either a Monday and they were closed or it was like Saturday like as they opened and like the whole world was there and I was like this place is ridiculous how can this operate I'd be driving all the way up to the Orange Field Road <laughs> just for a donut <laughs> queue and just drive home and then one day I went and it was actually you saved me I went on a Tuesday go on a Tuesday it's dead walked in I was like there's no one here guys and they were like it's always like this on a Tuesday so I just get every Tuesday I'm like cycle up to the donut shop so I have to say I have to say guilt trip just because the donuts are just like totally different from everything else yeah. Yeah. Uh, so from all the projects that you've done uh, from when you sort of started um, until now which one is like the one you've really grown attached to that you're really proud of and also it doesn't matter whether it got two likes yeah, or yeah. whatever so something that you're just like I'm really proud of that um professionally I'd have to say uh fashion week working with West Coast Google Fashion Week because it's like the polar opposite to everything I do like I'm a Matland Tesco jean kind of a guy and going to fashion week I was asked to just take photos and I was like this is why am I going to this this is ridiculous like and I walked in I didn't understand stuff I was walking around there's all these people like fully like dressed out and they knew their stuff and I was like, surely red and pink don't go together. And then everyone's got, uh, actually, it's on fleek. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is on fleek? So like, I learned all the stuff. And 
when doing that, I got to know like the models, I got to know the other photographers, I got to know PR companies, and I just had fun doing it because I was so out of my comfort zone. You know, it was like I shot bikes for years, and then suddenly it's like boom, fashion show. And I was like, dude, they got this bit. If anyone's been to fashion show, they got this bit where they everyone wears black, everyone up and down the catwalk. And it's because they're showing off hats and bags. But I didn't know that. So for ages, I was like, I'm not taking that. Why are all these people wearing this? Is ridiculous. I was like, it's full of black, full of black. And then it was only when I looked back at photos, and everyone was like, "Why didn't you focus on that bag or that hat?" I was like, "What?" They're like, that. I was like, "I don't know." I just got bored of everyone wearing black, and they were like, "That was the hats and bag section." <laughs> and I was like, "Ugh, to just distract." So everyone that knew their thing was taking photographs. of these cool, like I say, cool these ridiculous hats. But I was just photographing people's black outfits. There you go, shot. So I had so much fun doing that, and just meeting. It was meeting the people, I guess. Um, and I learned a lot about Instagram stories from the girls in the fashion scene, like because they gave me this like real useful bit of advice really early on. They were like, get into everybody else's story. Because like YouTube, you can't tag, but Instagram you can. So they taught me get into a story. So like you'd be like, find a way to get in the back of someone's story and like engage, like, because then they tag you. What's your handle? And they tag you in it. And then like suddenly you reach out, it's like a whole audience. Um, and I remember Melissa Riddell putting a story out with me in it one day, and I got like 250 followers in like a day and I was like blown away notification central for like, I was like what and then they all unfollowed me after that because they were like what's this guy doing <laughs> but like it is it's really interesting like and from all that you maybe get like 50 people that actually continue to follow you but that was really really good fun because I was out of my comfort zone doing something different um, and just meeting a whole array of people I normally would never associate with I don't know it's kind of cool like Last question for me. Um, what advice would you give to 16-year-old Dylan if you could take him out for a pint? Put your trousers up, dude. <laughs> like, I watched back some footage and I was like, when I was, I used to always get called a hippie. Can I swear? Sure. Hippie, hippie, right? Not like that. That sounds very posh. It was more like hippie. But I always be like riding the bike and some little, some little guy would be like, yo, you hippies, what are you doing? I'm like, what's wrong with this dude? Like, because I'm come from a quiet and educated background. Um, like, my parents brought me up pretty well. A very respectful family, all that sort of stuff. So, I always had this idea in my head that I was like, I was like showing that side of me off, but I was not, man. When I look back at footage, I'm like, you were literally the scruffiest, dirty little rat <laughs> in the world. Like, I was like, my hair was always a mess. Like, ass was always hanging out the back of my trousers, and I'd be like trying to do stuff. I wonder why people would just be like, either not taking me seriously. Or, um, or just like wondering what the hell I was at. And uh, when I think back to that, I guess like your perception of what you are is, is very different. Sometimes like you see yourself, but I would say put your trousers up, but don't change the rest of you. Like, because I'm not a smart person. And at first, when I started working in the agency, they told me, take your hat off. And I was like, no, you know, like take your hat off. I was like, absolutely not. Like I wear like my hats, by the way, is, it's kind of become like a thing I just wear, but it's there's a reason I wear a hat. It's because my hair is going bald. But it's, um, it's because I've got this weird like annoyance with my eyes where like I get really fidgety. So the hat's like a, it's like a comfort blanket. It like knocks out a whole world above me to stop me. Otherwise, I like like if I watch TV without a hat, I'll sit like this. My wife would be like, "Oh my god, go and put a hat on." I want you to do it. like through like sometimes like through a pillow or like if, if I'm sitting here like and I'll be like sometimes I'll be so, so stupid like a glass sitting on a table. I'll be like. <laughs> she'll be like what's annoying your eyes I'm going it's the glass across the room she'll move it so I wear a hat for that and they told me to take your hat off and I was like no that's like I'm casual I don't wear it put, it was, put a shirt on take your hat off and I was like nah bugger this so then I just always wore a hat um, so keeping your identity true is like and that's the hardest thing to do you know you feel like you should change it every time you go to something like oh I need to do this and there's a difference between dressing smart for an occasion and then just like dressing what's not you like you know I'll wear a suit if I need to but like I've I wore a suit and a, and a, a hat to the Pan Eye Awards like last year and it was hilarious because I rocked up thinking like if I was another guy there I'd be like that's such a douchebag you know I walked in like, with a hat on and everyone who was with me was like are you seriously wearing a hat with a suit like everyone's gonna be dressed like there's people in like velvet jackets and I rocked in thinking this is so sweet with my hat on like yeah super alternative and like everyone's a guy <laughs> but uh, it made me feel comfortable and then somebody actually knew me because of the hat so I was like they were like oh you're that guy from Instagram I was like oh, I am that guy from Instagram wow. what was that and they're like the hat I turned to the people I was with see told you, there you go. but I still look like an idiot it's like Casey sunglasses your hat yeah everyone has like everyone's got a thing whether that's a physical like a thing you've got or a way in which you do something um, you've always got to do that like I've always been very handsy and I learned in the agency like the 
that ability to, to like not like that lads chill out <laughs> right? like when I talk right? um, I've been very handy in my way I present ideas so yeah. I do that a lot um, but I get worked so well in, in presentations with clients and stuff where they were, were used to people just pointing at a, at a PowerPoint yeah. so you just you just gotta stay true to yourself like I guess cool. seems super like obvious but like how many of us don't do it yeah that's the question uh, for the people listening or watching at home where can they connect to you Instagram Dill1L Dill takes photos um, I don't know why I did 1L that was wrong like my name's got two L's but like <laughs> should not have Stop spelled my own name wrong so Dill takes photos on Instagram or DillTakesPhotos.com it's probably got all the links and bits and pieces and uh, if you've got nothing better to do watch my YouTube videos because they're like 20 minutes long yeah <laughs> yeah Instagram best bet cool Dill man thanks for coming I appreciate it man really thank you very much round of applause for Dylan guys Alright folks, how's it going? Matthew here again real quick just before we close today's show. Just want to take this opportunity to give a massive thank you to Dylan for taking the time out to share his story with us. Also want to give a massive thank you to the live audience that came as part of our meetup. You guys were awesome. Really appreciate the support you showed the show and the questions that you asked were extremely interesting. So thank you for that. Also want to give a massive thank you to the Bullet Hotel for sponsoring this month's meetup. If you haven't been to the Bullet yet, you got to come down. It's an absolutely cracker spot, whether it's for coffee, for lunch, for dinner, or whether it's just to hang out, or even stay for a cheeky wee night in Belfast. you got to check it out. It is one of my favorite places in Belfast, and I'm so delighted to have them on board with Best of Belfast. Also want to give a massive thank you to you guys for listening. Really, really appreciate it, and all the amazing support you've been showing on social media and all the reviews you've been leaving. It really, really means a lot, and I appreciate it. Best of Belfast is a storytelling startup that focuses on sharing the stories of local entrepreneurs, business owners, and all-around Northern Irish legends. We couldn't do what we do without you guys, and I also want to give a massive thank you to Chris Gillespie, who is at a gallon of caffeine on Instagram, for helping out with this month's video. Also, if you'd like to get more shows like this, be sure to subscribe to Best of Belfast wherever it is you're listening. You can also head on over to our website at bestofbelfast.org where you can find written version of today's show along with links to all our social media channels and all that other good stuff as well as our email newsletter. That's it, guys. That's another show in the bag. Got a really, really exciting few months lined up for you guys and I know you're really going to enjoy it and really appreciate, once again, all the support that you're showing to the show. That's it for today. My name is Matthew Thompson. Thank you very much for listening and until next time, all the very best. Cheers. Hi guys, I'm Rob and I'm from Queensland and I'm a proud member of the Best of Belfast Producers Club. I listen to the podcast for a number of reasons. I love Belfast, Northern Ireland and the country and the people in it. I have a connection with Northern Ireland as our family came to Australia in the 1800s from the beautiful county of Fermanagh. I love what's going on in Belfast, the entrepreneurs, the innovation, the technology and the spirit. My favourite podcast is definitely the Tim Brundle episode, although I do have many other favourites. I support the podcast financially because I believe that quality work deserves fair financial support. It's important that we continue to hear about the amazing people of Northern Ireland and what they are achieving. So if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you would really miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't here, as I would, I highly recommend considering joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org. And I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.